Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. So when I don't have mousse in my hair, my hair does not respond, I'll use that word, the same way, because the mousse supports it. The hair is still, number of hairs on my head, still comes out growing the way that it does, but it doesn't look the same. Same as with men who start growing mustaches or beards. If they just let it go, it looks kind of wooly, but if they get some of that special wax or cream and they put it on their beards, then the beard kind of stays in place. It's the same beard, same number of hairs coming out of the same face. However, it looks a little bit better. It's kind of like wheels on your car. You can have the wheels on the car or have nice tires, but if the tires aren't filled with the proper amount of air, your car doesn't drive the same. You see, that's kind of what God was trying to say to us. You need to have me in you. Now, God is always reaching down. I mean, he is always talking to us, always reaching down to us. So the problem isn't God. The problem is us. So let me start out with the very first thing that we need to do in order to be able to abide in God. Number one, the armor of God. Now, we all know the first one is the belt of truth. When I grew up as a good Baptist girl, and because I'm a really right, wrong, black or white person, I always put on the armor of God in the order. But a lot of people around me started at the head and went down. It kind of aggravated me, and I assumed my aggravation was because I'm such a rule obeyer. I assumed that it was I was just mad at them because they weren't doing it the right way. And then Don and I came to New Beginnings, and we heard from Pastor Larry the importance of putting on that belt of truth first. That's the avos. That's what anchors everything else in place. You see, if I don't have a belief and an acceptance that God is and that I am submitting to his authority, then the rest of it doesn't matter. I can have on a real nice helmet, plumes, the right color, sparklies and everything, but if I'm not abiding in God, it's not going to work. Now, that belt of truth, it's not only the truth of who God is, but it's the truth of who we are in God. And when I put on my belt of truth in the morning, as I'm putting it on, I say, I submit to your authority, Father. I will go where you lead me with your belt of truth, and I will not go where you warn me to stay away. I will submit to you, and I will kill the flesh. Because don't all of us have these fleshly ideas that we want to go do something? And our, our motives are good, our intentions are good, but it may not be what God wants us to do. For those of you that love stepping in and love helping and love serving, the only way I know how to slow you down is before you step in to do something to say, Lord, is this something you want me to do? Or are you giving an opportunity for someone else to do it so that they can be blessed? Because when you have that kind of a servant's heart, you want to take care of people. So you've got on the belt of truth. You know you acknowledge who God is. You acknowledge that you belong to him. You submit to his authority. And then you take off. Now, the breastplate of righteousness, that takes a little bit of time when I put that on. You see, we know that we have the breastplate, but who is it that provided that righteousness for us? Jesus. Yeah. So as soon as I put that breastplate on, I immediately go into, thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid. I can't even imagine what you went through, but I acknowledge 
and I thank you, and I worship you for what you have enabled me to connect to my Heavenly Father. Thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you had a plan in place. I would have done it different. That's why I'm not God. But thank you that you made a way for me to be in relationship with you. And I spend some time understanding that the price that Jesus paid is the only way that I get to be in relationship with the Father. So I thank him, and then I acknowledge God. Then we go to our feet. Now, when I was younger, I looked down, and I would think about pretty shoes or nice boots. But then the Lord explained to me that it's a lot more than just something on your feet. You see, when you put on those shoes... And it talks about spreading the gospel and spreading peace. Those shoes go all the way up. It's like your super protection from anything in the world. So when I put on my shoes, I thank God that I can go through the world and I don't have to worry. Whatever territorial spirit, whatever assignment, whatever demon, whatever word has been spoken, when it tries to come near me, it sees the blood of Jesus and it flees. So all of a sudden, I stand a little taller, realizing that, whoa, I've got on these shoes, and I'm totally protected. Now, the shield of faith is an interesting one. I pick that up, and I've heard wonderful sermons. I'm not sure that it's biblical, but wonderful sermons about how we have the shield so that we can advance. It doesn't go all the way around us because we're not supposed to be looking back, all those things. And they make for great sermons. I'm just not sure that's what God had in mind. (laughs) What I see on the shield of faith is I put the blood of Jesus on it. And then as I'm praying, I say, I pick up your shield of faith. I put the blood of Jesus on it, and I put it all around me. And then I pray, if you have a significant other, whether, and around Dawn and around our marriage. And then I thank God. Thank you for healing my marriage, Heavenly Father, because I know that in myself it never would have worked. <laughs> so I put that shield of faith and the blood of Jesus around me, around Dawn, and around our marriage. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word says that me and my household will be saved. And standing on that word, okay, now I'm going to stop here a minute. You see, when we repeat God's word back to him, it resonates with him in heaven. And that almost always allows that to come to earth. Now, I can claim it, and I'm sure he'll do that, but the scripture tells us, you know, say God's word. So when I repeat what his word says, and I'm claiming it for my family, then it activates the spirit realm to come in and take care of my family. So I put the shield of faith and the blood of Jesus around Kristen and Tim, that's my daughter and son-in-law, around Connor and Sarah, Lily, William, and Nikolai, around Kerrigan and his uh, fiance Emily, and around Christian and his future family. And as I pray that in the morning, just like I do at Shabbat, I envision all of my family healthy and serving God. So I just kind of pause there for a minute to just thank him that I can put my shield of faith based on his word that says me and my household shall be saved and put it around my family. Once I finish that, my next one is Pastors Larry and Tiz. Thank you, Father, for my pastors. Thank you that you have put them in the world at this time and allowed me to be under their leadership and their covering. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that my family and my extended family and I, that's how I pray the next part. My family, my extended family, and I walk in divine health. And then I claim all of those blessings that God says are ours. 
Thank you that you are bringing godly friends around us to nurture us, to guide us, and to lead us on the pathway where we should be. Thank you that my family and I, an extended family, we walk in divine health. Thank you, Father, that your word says, my family and I, an extended family, nothing missing and nothing broken. Thank you, Father, that you are giving us wisdom beyond our years and life experience. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that there is no weapon, no assignment, no territorial spirit that can come against me and my family and my extended family. I pray all those blessings that I want my family to have while I'm at that spot with the shield of faith. And then when I put on the helmet of salvation, it's like, thank you, Father, for the helmet of salvation. And thank you, Lord, that today you're giving me the mind of Christ. You see, you're probably much better than I am at this, but I seem to drag yesterday into today so often thinking about things that I didn't do that I should have done, things that I did that I shouldn't have done. And that kind of clouds my today. It clouds my thinking and my energy. So when I put on the helmet of salvation, I kind of cut the cords from yesterday. Praise God for his grace. Praise God that we can step in today to today completely new. Ah, If I've sinned, if God brings that to my mind, then I confess that. And praise God, his word says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that I can let go, knowing that God does cause all things to work together for good. So if I have faith in God to save me, then I can have faith in God to take care of whatever I messed up yesterday. So I come into today with a renewed mind, ready to do what God has called me to do. And then I pick up that sword. Now, I'm not a violent person. I really don't fight. I much prefer having a a long-range weapon to take care of anything I have problems with. So as I was thinking about that, because we moved to Texas, a lot of people pack around here. And um, Pastor Larry at one time was trying to get the women to go to a, a class on weapons. And, you know, half the women on staff were like, yeah, and I'm going, ew, no. (laughs) However, if I don't have a weapon that I know how to use, then I could be in trouble. The same is true with God. That sword of the Spirit, that word of the Spirit, that's our weapon. And it's not designed for us to see carnage and blood. It's designed for us to use to show the devil who we are, and whose we are, so that as we step out, they're going to run and flee, because they don't want to be into peril and carnage and bleeding. So there's your covering when you go out. God will still talk to you if you don't have on the armor of God. Um, He'll speak to you a number of different ways. But this is kind of my way of dialing in the radio station so that I've got the most crystal clear communication with God. Then the second part, which it does take me really a decision every single day, is to obey what he says to do. If God tells you to turn to somebody in the grocery line and ask if you can pray for them, trust me, they're ready for it. He is never going to say that to you if the person is an atheist and is going to come unglued. So you can understand that as you are moving through the world and God is giving you opportunities to do things, he's never going to put you in peril. When Don and I were called to move here to uh, Texas, and I'm thinking once again, you know, uprooting everything and and moving. And when we got here, um, Jerry Grebe, who was on staff, she still is in in Oregon with Larry Huck Ministries, Jerry Grebe lived in a very nice uh, apartment complex. 
it was secure. Um, it had the you know meeting room for people and swimming pools and all that kind of stuff. And I was a bit concerned about whether or not we'd be able to move in on the short time frame we were in. And, I mean, this was a big complex. I'm trying to figure out. There were five different apartment complexes and then a number of houses around it. So that's how big it was. Well, wouldn't you know, God opened up a two-bedroom, two-bath that was just right around the corner from Jerry Grebe. <laughs> so we turned in our application. They approved it, and that's how we got here. You see, God had already arranged for whoever was in that apartment to be moved out. He had already called that person. Now, if they were a believer, then they were being called to a better assignment. If they were a non-believer, they were just called out. God arranged the circumstances so that they were called out. We were there um, for a good period of time. And even as I look back, it's like, who in the world builds apartment complexes like this? Besides the two bedrooms and the two bathrooms, um, it had an attached garage that was in my budget. (laughs) And before you got to the attached garage, there was a room that was the same width from right to left as the entire apartment, and it was five feet long. I know, who builds an apartment like that? But I was coming with some stuff. (laughs) So I had to get shelves and put my stuff in that area so that I had a place to store things. And I can still remember moving in. Uh, My friend Joan Porter from Portland, you all hear about her all the time, she flew in to help me buy furniture. And every single morning, because this was so new, and I was still concerned about Don's health, because he had not fully recovered from Parkinson's at that time. So we flew in. (laughs) Joni came to help me buy furniture. And I was trying to um, honor Don and uplift him. So I asked him, you know, what's my budget for furniture? And again, he gave me a ridiculous figure. I was like, are you kidding me? So I go to my prayer closet. And in the morning, then when I put on my armor of God, I say, okay, Lord, I want to honor you, Heavenly Father, and obey you by honoring my husband. So I'm counting on you to provide the furniture that we need within his budget. Now, do you see how that changes everything? (laughs) When I went shopping for furniture and we were at the dump, I loved the dump back then. It was just so much fun. Uh, When we went to the dump, it was like, okay, Lord, show me where the furniture is because I'm excited. I could have said, okay, Number one, that's not enough money. And then gone into battle with Don, which would have squelched my blessing. Or I could have turned to Joni and said, can you believe that tightscape? I think he's still in the throes of Parkinson. His brain is not working. And which would have also bound my blessing. Because you, when you're in anger or fighting, all that energy is taking up space in you, and there's not space for the blessing. It's not that God is punishing us. He's, he's going, honey, forgive him. Please, I've got this right ready to download to you. But you've got to get rid of that anger so that I can fill you up. I'm not that smart, but I had spent a number of years in Washington, D.C., living with our daughter, and I got real close to the Lord. So I kind of knew at that time, this is how it works, and this is how it doesn't work. So I'm walking into the dump, and it's like, okay, I need living room furniture. I need a dining room table. Um, We have bedroom furniture, but I also need office furniture. So we walk into the dump, and the first thing that I found was my sofa and chair. And I really liked it, and it was on sale. It's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the dump, but they have kind of an open area. And then they have another area where things are more expensive. 
So I was looking for a credenza so that I could put a television above it. And Joni kind of wandered over into the more expensive area. And she said, come here, I found something. It's like, what'd you find? And it was this beautiful black piece of furniture that had just exactly the right number of doors and drawers. And it was perfect. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you're going to have to do something quick here because this is on the expensive side. I had started working with a uh, beautiful African-American woman. And when she came over to that area, she started in conversation. And wouldn't you know, she knew who Pastor Larry and Tiz were. She knew that I was coming here to work for them. So she looked at the price tag on that, and she said, okay, this can't be right. And I remember thinking, is it too much, too little, what is it? And she said, there really should be a one in front of these three numbers, but it's not there, so I'm going to sell it to you at that price. Now, in public, I try not to do my happy dance, but on that day, Joni and I did our happy dance, and we did our high five. So that came into my area. We found a collection of uh, coffee table and end tables that worked just perfect. And wouldn't you know, they were on a closeout price too. You know how they have that area where it's like scratched and damaged, but there was no scratches or damage on this. (laughs) So we got all of our furniture within Don's budget. Don at that time was just sitting in a chair waiting for us to come and show him what we had picked. We got all done and Joni said, okay, Mike told me that I had a budget of what I could spend for a housewarming gift for you. And she said, I think I found something you might like. We went outside and I had uh, at that time a table that was from a pottery barn. I had budgeted to buy the table. I just slept it everywhere I could, but I hadn't had enough budget for the chairs. So I'm looking at these chairs, and it's like, Joni, those are exactly like the Pottery Barn chairs. And she goes, I know, and they're back here in the back. So Joni got four chairs at $25 a chair, which was her budget. (laughs) So we were completely taken care of with furniture for our place. Every morning... When I would wake up in that place, I would thank God for his provision and thank him that he had delivered me from the spirit of fretting. Now, I'm calling it fretting because worry is just something that seems really distasteful to me at this stage. And fretting seems to be a little bit more friendly. So I had to realize that fretting was not okay with God. Again, if I fill my space up with fretting and trying to plan and everything... I'm taking away real estate that God can use to bless me. We all know the scripture. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So how do we let go and step into joy? It's a faith issue. It's a faith issue that says, I have faith in God that all things work together for good. Now you say, okay, where's there a biblical reference to that? I got it for you. Joseph. Now, again, I have heard so many wonderful sermons taught about the life of Joseph and what was wrong with Joseph and what God had to do to break him, to make him... Yeah, no. If you look at the Jewish concept of Joseph, they talk about how he was the son, the first son of his favorite wife, and that he was loved by his daddy. His daddy spent time with him. His daddy poured his faith into him, taught him, so that by the time Joseph left... He was full of the knowledge of God. And when he got sold to the Egyptians, which he could have grumbled, he didn't. I mean, in Potter's house, he went through and 
did everything that he was supposed to do when he was thrown in prison. He didn't grumble because the word tells us that he had favor, and all of a sudden he was put in charge of everybody. So certainly that means that he understood the rules of the game. He played by the rules of the game, and he also embraced doing a job representing his heavenly father because he still had in him all of that teaching. When he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh and was given that beautiful promotion, the, the word tells us, and I had missed this several times, before he went in there, he bathed and shaved because as a prisoner, he had one outfit on, but he knew going into the presence of the Pharaoh, he had to change his outfit. A lot of us try to drag our outfits into whatever we're trying to do. <laughs> so just kind of think about it. Is my current presentation going to be what's needed for this situation? Now, for Joseph, it was getting rid of looking like a prisoner. Uh, for, for me, some of us, it might be getting rid of looking like a Sunday school teacher. I may have to go someplace that I may not be comfortable in. I learned that lesson when I was getting my healing from cancer, because that many years ago, they didn't have a lot of natural food places. And the places that did sell um, organic things or uh, supplements and so forth that my my nutritional doctor, my, my medical doctor, had told me to get. They weren't in the average pharmacy or grocery store. And I can remember going into those places, and because I put my armor on, I literally felt like as I stepped in that whatever issues were in that place started to depart. And it was like I had this little circle around me that was completely pure. And I would go in, and I would buy the things, and I would go out, and I would thank God for providing in an unusual source the things that I needed to continue my healing. Well, I had good Baptist sisters come and tell me, you really shouldn't be in that place. It took a lot of Holy Spirit control for me not to just slap them. Because it's like, do you not understand the power that we have? Do you not understand you can walk anywhere as long as you're not in the dark and danger and doing stupid things and have the power of God around you so that nothing gets on you? Do you realize that when I buy that and take it out and I pray over it, anything that was attached to it is gone? God has provided all of our resources for everything that we need. All we need to know is have a circumcised ear to hear him, and then obey him. But don't go in without your armor. So I knew that I could go anywhere, could walk anywhere, and the Spirit of God would be around me. So now I know if I'm in an area and God nudges me to talk to somebody that I normally wouldn't talk to, I have to have faith that he's already arranged circumstances for that person to receive the message that I'm giving them from God. The other thing I have to do is shoot my brain. I have to get rid of all the four spiritual laws, all the evangelism teachings, and say, what do you want me to say? (laughs) Now, that's humbling for some of us, because we have about 27 different opening lines. But we're going to scrap that and say, you tell me. And then even if it seems ridiculous, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because he's already prepared the ground. The seed that you've got from heaven that you're going to plant in that ground is from God. And you may just be one of the original ones. You may not see them fall down, hands raised, speaking in tongues. (laughs) They may give you a dirty look and walk away. But if you have on your armor and if you've listened to God and if you've done what God says, it'll come back. Remember my story with with Joni? She was a believer, but um, she had not... She was not in the church that taught 
everything that God has for us. <clears throat> and so I had brought her out of a department and, and uh, was dragging her around the state when I was traveling because I wanted to be able to download to her everything that I wanted her to know in this position. And one day in the car, and just she said something about, well, you don't believe everything that's in the Bible, do you? And I stopped, and I just saw somebody raise their eyebrows in the audience. It's like, yeah, okay, don't raise your eyebrows. Don't say anything. And I started praying, Lord, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? I said, tell her yes. Yes. And she said, oh, I don't. I kind of pick and choose. It's like, okay, God, give me something. Give me something. He said, ask her how she decides. Okay. Um, How do you decide, Joni, what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe? And she responded, well, that's easy. So I'm like, thanks a lot, God. That didn't work. So we go through our day. We go home. Uh, she goes home to her bed. I go home to, to, to the place where I'm staying. And the next morning, she comes into the office. Her hair is a bit disheveled. Her clothes are kind of wrinkled. And her eyes are the angry mode. You know, you can tell your friends are angry. And she stomps into our office, and she looks at me, and she goes, okay, I don't know how I decide. I couldn't sleep all night. And I immediately went, oh, God, thank you. Thank you that I didn't come back and say something stupid and stop the work you were doing in her life. We prayed, and I walked Joni through letting go of some of the religious things that she had been taught and explaining to her how all the, even though the stories sound really bizarre, how it can work, and then showed her how before we ever had a corporate meeting, we could pray, and we could bind any spirit of disruption. You probably don't believe this, but a lot of branch managers, area managers, vice presidents aren't saved. And they come into meetings with agenda. And in order for me to do the job that I was hired to do, I need to get a message to that audience, and I didn't need them being icky. I'll show you how God sets this up. There was one um, area manager, and that's kind of how it divided up, you know, branches, areas, and, and bigger areas. I and mean, he was a bigger area, so he was an important individual. I used to work for him in Portland before I was down in Eugene. So I kind of knew his history. But I knew that he was very influential in that area. And I knew because of his history, he might just be a bit uncomfortable in seeing me as the new VP and regional sales manager. Now that's all I'm going to say about his history. You can fill in the blanks. So when I got there, I pulled him aside. And we'll say that his name was Jim. And I said, Jim, I'm really excited that you get to be on this team Um, anything that happened in Portland, we're not ever going to talk about again. But what I need from you, you know me. So when I give an idea or something, if you could just act positive about it and then give me feedback later on about, you know, what I might need to modify because I've never been in this region. I've never been in this territory. You have been, you understand it. Well, we bonded mainly from the first time that I said, whatever happened in Portland, we're not going to talk about it, (laughs) because he knew that his secret was safe with me. But then because of that, he bonded to me. So when I would do an idea, he would yell from the back, that's a great idea. And then all the managers that reported to him would applaud, and it was like, thank you, Jesus. Now, at the time that he was having a mess up in Portland, and I'm looking at him, because, I mean, he was a senior officer there, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is so ugly. And it unfortunately happened to be a secretary who I was friends with that all of a sudden started spilling the beans about what was going on. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to know this. 
and God allowed someone else to uncover what was going on so that I was clean. I hadn't said anything. I hadn't done anything. And I was honoring to him as he was being transferred out to a lesser position. Now, during all of that, did I know that I was going to end up being a VP and regional sales manager and that he was going to be one of my lead managers? No. But God causes all things to work together for good. Now, back then, I'm sorry to say, I didn't pray for the man. But God knew what I was going to run into, and he knew what I needed. So he orchestrated everything to where it would come out okay. So, making decisions, it's a faith issue. If we trust God for our salvation then we ought to be able to trust him with our future. And again, the Christian church has made it sound like everything's going to be roses, and that's just not true. However, we don't go through things alone. And if we put on the armor of God, if we abide in him, he will give us grace to go through things that in our own we could never go through. So when we leave here today... Um, if you've already put on your armor, congratulations. Yay, yay. If you haven't, just you know, quietly put on the armor of God and realize that abiding in him is having that ear that listens, having an eye to see, and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit on what he wants us to do. Because we know that each one of us has a specific assignment, and we don't want to ever miss a single lick of blessing <laughs> because we missed an assignment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much that you are so plain in your word about what you've provided for us and what you want for us. Father, bless each person in the room this morning and bless those that will be listening to this later on. Let them understand, Heavenly Father, that you truly are a good God. You are for us, not against us. You are on our side. And thank you, Father, that you have given us instructions on how to view, our, whether it's our spouse, our children, our bosses, whatever. If they're not operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that you have given us glasses to put on and speak as if they were already 100% cure, whole, and healthy. Thank you for that, Heavenly Father. Thank you for everyone here. Thank you for those that are coming next Sunday. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you.